You are listening to our podcast, Two Yo Girls with Lorraine and Jillian. And today we're talking about equanimity. And it's a super big word. <laughs> <laughs> super big word. That saying, I feel like, helps me kind of dumb it down to, um, <laughs> to really embrace the very big word that is equanimity. Because when you first hear about equanimity, it sounds big and lengthy, but really the concept is super simple. And so today we're going to talk about what it is and why it's one of the most important tools that we have come to use both in our lives and to teach about in the gratitude adjustment and in our yoga classes. Yeah, I love this. Um, It was you, Jill. I think that there was a point we were planning the gratitude adjustment. Yeah. And you said, oh, we got to teach them about equanimity. And I feel like in meditation, that word gets thrown out there, but nobody really explains it. And you're right. It's something that can be simple. And so I was sort of like, well, whatever. I don't know if we need to teach them that, but let's just teach them. And it was equanimity without calling it equanimity. Right. So, um, it did feel really nice once we got behind a phrase or a term that you hear and see, and maybe even avoid because it feels a little bit heady. It's actually the opposite of heady. Um, it's the idea that there's nothing that's good or bad. They just are what they are. And our reaction to them is really what what matters. Um, and it's Pema Chodron whose quote, you know, I think somebody told me this quote, and if you don't think about equanimity, it can feel pretty nebulous, but her quote is, and she's an American Buddhist nun, and she's written some pretty amazing stuff and dealt with a lot she of these concepts. Is? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I thought she was a he. Oh, I just didn't even know. <laughs> um, I'll never forget. Uh, it was a boyfriend in college. I got the best gift from him for Christmas. It was actually his mom who picked it out for me. She and I used to go to Spirit Rock together in Northern California. So I was essentially dating his mom. Yes. (laughs) So much better, probably. (laughs) So for Christmas that year, he um, gave me the book, When Things Fall Apart. And it was so fitting because he was the first person who really broke my heart. So in any case, oh. you know, I'm crying and reading Pema Chodron <laughs> when things fall apart, thanks to his mom. And he gave me a little statue of the healing Buddha. So again, his mom picked it out, you know. Um, but anyway, so the first, I think, page or so in the book, she talks about getting divorced. And it was that idea and that concept of when things fall apart, what do you do next? So it felt like, you know, that's the crack in her universe, essentially, is the divorce that she never expected happening. And so the whole book walks you through what to do when it feels like your world is falling apart. But one of her big things is that things aren't really good or bad. That divorce prompted her into her whole new life of becoming a Buddhist nun and seeing the world completely differently. So the quote is, you are the sky. Everything else is just the weather. She might not put the just in there, but you are the sky. Everything else is the weather. And it's that idea that if you're sitting inside with a cup of tea, right, just looking out the window, the rain is gorgeous. If you're dropping your kids off at school, you forgot an umbrella and nobody has a raincoat, the rain sucks. It's just the rain. And what happens is where we are in relation to it that gives us that feeling of it's good or bad, but it's not good or bad on its own. It's what our brains do. Yeah. Yes. I love, I love that quote. It's funny. You see the memes and you see the names underneath it. (laughs) 
And if you're me, you don't do enough research on who's <laughs> saying it. <laughs> but um, it's beautiful and it's super freeing for me, mm. I think, um, to be able to come from a place where we surround ourselves with um, people who do yoga, people who are calm, people who are like Lorraine, mm. um, essentially. And you think to yourself, like, I should be this way. But what equanimity gives you the freedom to do is just be exactly who you are. So if you're angry, be angry. If you're sad, be sad. If you're happy, be happy and really be those things um, because none of it's bad. It's all valid. It's all equal. Um, and it's all kind of situational, it, it, just like the weather, right? It's mm. kind of how you approach it. And so I think it gives people, especially women, when we talk about this, kind of the freedom to be, to, mm. to feel and express and to notice and accept. And really kind of the first step of moving through things is accepting mm. that you are actually feeling that way, right? Not pushing it down, not running away, not pelotoning the heck out of it. Like, <laughs> you're in it, um, feeling it. And so it can be really freeing to just allow for yourself not to kind of stew in it, right, Lorraine? It's like, yeah. it's not stewing in it, but it's noticing it and then with the intention of moving out of it. Yeah, I think it. you I think you stew when you don't give yourself the time to actually feel. So mm. it can get super sticky if you're trying to stuff it down and then you revisit it later and it feels like it hasn't moved through. So sometimes I think that's where that that sticky feeling comes from is maybe not seeing it for what it is and suddenly it becomes something even more or bigger that can suck you in because at the moment it was pushed down. So it can get tricky. And this is where I think self-compassion comes in. Mm. We were talking with the gratitude adjustment just the other day. And someone said, yeah, I love the idea of trying to be nice to myself, but I don't want to spend a whole day sitting under a blanket, not doing the things I need to do. And I think that the truth is, if you feel what you're feeling, look at it head on and realize, all right, this is painful. I see it. I feel it. I recognize it. I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to take my meditation time to look at this and give myself some room to land softly with it. And then I'll get up and go about my day. So instead of being like, I'm not looking at that. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. And then you feel like edgy and annoyed and tired and reactive, right? So you're pushing, but it's less aligned with what you want to be doing. I think when you take time to notice and feel, it's easier to move forward more aligned without that bubbling stuff that we don't want to face. Yeah. And I think, so step one, acceptance, right? Mm. Noticing, awareness. Mm -hmm. um, step one, awareness. Step two, accepting. And then there's tools, right? There's tools that we talk about or that people naturally have that help them move through emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Even, you know, even happy emotions, like there are things we do in moments um, of all kind of emotion that can help. And so I think that's what we like exploring in the gratitude adjustment, you know, whether or not it's meditation or it's movement or it's um, breath work or breath work. Yeah, exactly. Um, you 
might start you being the universal listener here <laughs> at the Two Yo Girls podcast, start kind of noticing your natural, not coping mechanisms, but what you naturally do to, you know, therapy to move through different kinds of feelings so that you can start to place yourself in a spot that feels like all things are equal, not Mm. good or bad, that we don't have to label so much, but just that there's all things have their place in time in your Mm. life. Yes. I love that. It's like seasons, right? Some Mm -hmm. people look at their life in seasons. Um, We talk in the gratitude adjustment too, about some people love summer and then some people are afraid when winter's approaching. And if they're all equal, there's less of that roller coaster of things. Like you have to get outside every sunny day, or you have to be under the blanket again when it snows. Right. So we can surf the seasons a little more. We can surf our moods a little more with this idea of equanimity. There was also some, oh, I love that you said that you included joy in the emotions and how we work with them because it's Brene Brown who talks about foreboding joy, getting in the way of actually experiencing joy. So some of us are conditioned to experience something good and be like, oh, I'm not going to get too happy or too excited because another shoe is going to drop. Or like planning the end of your vacation when you just (sighs) got on it. Like, oh, I'm here. I love it. Everything's perfect, but it's going to end in four days. Like how often do you do that? So often. Not you, but like. No, all the time. I'm very much like, what happens when the vacation ends? Right. And it's only day two of seven days. So it's yes, all the time. I this is the stuff that I love and work with because of the roller coaster of things and kind of being a serious, nervous, scared kid, you know? Mm. Um, and that's where gratitude comes in. I think that when it's a joyful, lovely, beautiful moment, whether it's vacation or a point in your day where it feels like there's a point in my day where I feel like oh, the whole day is ahead of me. And then if I get in the way and I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get it all done instead of being like, oh, I love this feeling. I'm just going to be here for a second. And then I'm more productive instead of saying, oh, I've only got an hour left or it's going to end in a moment. Right. Yeah. How can you really savor the joy? Just and be use it in it. Right. Yeah. Just be in it. Um, like we said. So I, this is totally <laughs> a little bit off topic, but I've been meaning to ask you this. Mm. What I asked him this and he I think he thinks I'm nuts. um, So you might concur. But when I feel love or joy, like if I like look at my kids or sometimes when I look at Bruiser when he's not being a pain, um, I feel like I feel a real physical sensation, like a tightness in Mm -hmm. my chest. It it feels like like something's exploding inside of my body. Mm -hmm. Um, And just speaking thinking of like being in it, it's almost painful. Like, it's like, I love this thing so much that it's almost painful, but I want to be in it, in that feeling, but it's almost like, oh my God, like this little creature is just everything. Do you get an actual physical feeling when you feel love? Uh, So the thing you're describing, I think my answer would be yes. You know, when you have a baby and you're like, I just want to bite you. Like there's this sort of physical clenching of your fists and your jaw. And it feels like the love is so much that it makes you almost tighten up. And I think it's similar. I think there's a little bit of something going on in your body where you feel it. And it almost is like, you can't contain it. Yeah. 
Yes. It's like a, I think it's oxytocin being released. I think it's like a legitimate, like big moment, a hormonal moment, but I get it a lot. Like when, you know, when I'm, but you, as if you have ever breastfed to the moms who are out there, whoever ever breastfed, like you get that same feeling when you're breastfeeding, like this almost like, Oh my God, I can't take this sensation. Yeah. And there are physiological things. So dopamine, oxytocin, they get released in ways where it's like this explosive feeling in your body. And I think just like most things, like people can feel emotions or tightness or even their breath in different places. I think in one of our podcasts, we talked about where people experience anxiety for some people, it's right in their shoulders or their neck or their jaw, or some people feel it in their chest or their belly. Yeah, belly. Um, These are excellent ways to get aware of what it is that we're talking about. And so when you can tie it to a physiological sensation, there is more equanimity. So bringing it back, right, there's this kind of feeling of watching and feeling without judging. And so I love that you asked the question and it brings us back to curiosity, which I think is one of the biggest things about getting through anything is being a little more curious instead of quick to judge. And that's where equanimity comes into like that question of like, do you feel love on a physiological level that's instinctive? And I love that question. I think all of the people listening could figure out whether or not, and it's this kind of like, huh even an aha moment of like, oh yeah, that's what that feeling is. It's the hormones being released. It's the connection that is being made in my physical body to the other physical body or the other thing um, that creates the bonding and the need to protect and care for. And, you know, so that when they're the thing that you love is less easy to fall in love with those hormones. And that connection is there, you know, the screaming two-year-old feels really different to love and take care of than the baby fresh out of the bath, you know? So it's so interesting that bonding does happen over time. I know. Fresh out of the bath, a little hood on. (laughs) It's so cute, like chubby faced warm snuggy Um, but yes (laughs) (laughs) not really yeah the other thing too before we wrap it up because we we should wrap it up uh we're gonna go on to talk uh, on our next podcast about moving through emotion a little Mm. bit more exploring Mm -hmm. how to move through um but the other thing about equanimity that I love that gives me this sense of freedom is essentially that emotions it, it, it almost releases you of the story that you have about yourself. Mm. Like I am an angry person or I am a sad person or these stories that build up over time that we create, it almost gives you a freedom of that, that you are, you are just you. And that is limitless. Mm. The possibility of who you are is limitless because all of those other things, the emotions and the, the weather mm. are going to swirl around you at different times, but your being is, you have so much potential. Uh, and I love the equanimity lets me think about things like that. Like, oh, right now I might be angry or I might be a perfectionist or I might be grieving, but mm. in a, that's not, my essence of who I am. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not my grief. I'm not my anxiety. I'm not my fear. Um, And, you know, 
there are two things you said, and then there's one little quick thing I want to wrap up with, but it reminds me of the law of pure potential when you get to these places where you are not your grief or you're not your anxiety. There really is a broader person experiencing grief and experiencing anxiety so that it opens up the space to be able to feel the things that happen to you fully because we're human, but to also have room where it's not all of you, right? Um, and then there's a, a Zen story that puts some of this in perspective. Equanimity, it, it tells a tale of a guy who's a farmer and he's working the field and he has a horse and the horse runs away. And the villagers come to him and they're like, oh, how horrible, you lost your horse. And his response is, maybe. So a couple of days later, the horse comes back with another horse. And they're like, oh my God, so lucky. Look at you with two horses. And he says, maybe. And then so he's tilling his field and his son's helping. And they're like, look at you, so lucky. And he's like, maybe. The kid breaks his leg. And they're like, oh God, how awful. Maybe, right? And then they come to look for the kids who are 18 who would be taken to the military. His kid's there with a broken leg. And so they don't take his kid. And then the villagers are like, oh, my God, so lucky your kid gets to stay. His response constantly is maybe because it's that idea of you don't know. We don't know what's next. And there are times in life where it feels like the worst thing that ever happened to you turns into the best thing. Your car breaks down and you end up meeting the person you'll marry because they pulled over to help you. Right. You are suddenly underneath the weight of the world and then elated again. And if you can kind of just see it as a bigger picture, it's less of a roller coaster. Yes, the bigger picture. Mm. Less of a roller coaster. So true. Ugh, love it. So good. Feels so good. <laughs> us, <laughs> we, all of us, pure potential <laughs> humans are amazing. I know, I really feel it. Um, okay, so uh, let's wrap it up and then we're going to go right on to do another one and we'll post it quickly about kind of real, real ways to move through emotion, like tools that you can use and, and I why. Love it. Yay. Good, good stuff. And this yeah. is Mikey B. This is his track, Be a B. If you listen to Spotify, which I think you do, he is Mikey Bikes on Spotify. He has promised me he'll be on the podcast. So look out for Mike Borgonzano in one of our upcoming episodes. Take care. We'll see ya. Bye bye.